Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here as always with my friend and fellow church member and academic advisor at Midwestern Seminary. Not my academic advisor, but a academic advisor, an academic advisor, Ross Ferguson. How you doing, brother? Good. Doing good. How's your summer been? My summer's been good. It's, It's been too hot. Yeah, I would second that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been good. We spent the last three weeks traveling back to back to back, actually. Uh, did a whole, I did nine days in Texas, was home for one day. We went to California for five days, was home for one day. And then we went to Florida for initially, it was supposed to be a week. And my wife got COVID while we were there. On the last day, I'm, I was uh, speaking to the student camp in Panama City Beach. And um, she got COVID, she tested positive for COVID. The Thursday morning, the last day, and so someone else spoke for me. I didn't. I didn't speak. I didn't have any symptoms, but you know, they decided I shouldn't, you know, be in a room full of kids, which I agreed with. Uh, but then we had to figure out we couldn't fly home. What are we going to do for five days? So I, I got us into a hotel. And we basically quarantined for five days. It was. Uh, it was not great. Mm. Yeah, how's, but we're here now. Hi, Becky Doom. She's doing good. Yeah. So that was. We're now on another week past that, and um, you know she's got. You know, a little bit of cough here, but uh, but not you know contagious anymore. And uh, she's got some um, fatigue issues, I guess, mm-hmm. that are still kind of lingering. I guess that's kind of a lingering symptom of the deal. But you know, I'm actually just praising God. Um, you know, the we wish that it hadn't happened at that time, and uh, I'm glad I didn't get sick because I kept you know I kept thinking, gosh, so we've pushed our our flight home a week so she could recover and you know get past the contagion or whatever. What happens if I test pot, you know, get sick the last day? We're going to be stuck in, in Florida. Um, but that didn't happen. Praise the Lord. And she's doing well. Praise the Lord. And uh, we actually, this is the first time either, either one of us have tested positive. Uh, it's possible I might have had it. I've tested negative early in the spring. I was supposed to go to Puerto Rico and had to cancel that trip because I was sick. And I took a COVID test and it said negative. But Beck's halfway convinced that I actually had it. I've got a solution to your, it's been too hot. Yeah. Stop flying to places that are hot. Like, that is <laughs> no, just it's a too hot solution. here, man. <laughs> well, you've not been here. So. Yeah, that will. Okay. I mean, it's been too hot here. Yeah. Scotsman in the US, like, I'm, if I'm outside, I'm dying from heat. If yeah. I'm inside, I'm dying from the AC. So I'm, I, I you know, it's, it's a hard life. Yeah, that's right. Um, You're just a little really. Goldilocks looking for the just right <laughs> place, aren't you? We all know that's still Scotland. You folks. know where it's cool inside um, the movie theater. And we actually went. We, we did. We went to a movie together, The my wife and I and your family, you, you and Miriam and your girls. We did. And another young couple from our church. We all went to see. The Minions movie, yeah. <laughs> the new Minions. The Rise of the Gru. The Rise of Gru. That's it. And uh, it's, your girls were actually surprised. that I I don't know. I mean, it's not like we know each other that well, <laughs> your daughters and I anyway. They, their perception of me was that I wouldn't go see a movie like well, that? Well, to be honest, there was two things that came out of this okay. trip. Number one, every time Jared laughed at the movie, all of my girls just look at me going like, he's laughing at the movie. <laughs> Okay. So yeah. so one, that was a shock to them. What's their perception of me? Like I'm a grumpy guy? Well, or all I'm too I'll old say is the what? feedback on our pet peeves to the worship leaders yeah. 
um, very much on Twitter was that we, we've become grumpy old men. <laughs> okay, um, right. I think my kids have that view. They have that view of me. Okay. I don't think anymore. But, but I based think that on was, what? It's not like I complain around them or something. Well, they maybe just, may, maybe smile maybe more. Maybe I need to I smile know. more. Okay. Uh, but the second thing was we were very clever as parents. <laughs> yeah. We sat next to Jared and Becky. <laughs> All I'll say is our, our child that loves to move about yeah. and is very energetic. And within about 10 minutes, she's spilling stuff. She's <laughs> right. stuff on the floor. That was the one sitting next to me. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. and just, uh, stuff on the floor, yeah. complaining our drink is finished and all this <laughs> sort of stuff. And uh, one thing we told her is you cannot go to the restroom. You cannot go to the toilet. You will sit through this whole movie. Oh. I've told Jared and Becky that they can't, you know, you <laughs> she can't She was sitting leave. between us. Yeah. And do you know what she said to me after the film? What'd she say? Jared got up halfway through the movie and he went out and I was not allowed out. <laughs> and I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't normally do that, actually. You stepped out before the singing scene at the end. Oh, okay. Um, and, and hey, all we know is you stepped out. But, okay. But my girls are offended oh, that they, no. they were not allowed to go they out. They didn't get the complete experience. But you were allowed to go I out. I allowed to go out, yeah. Did you tell them that Jared's a grown-up? I, can- <laughs> I pointed out these sorts of things. But yeah. in their mind, fair is fair. Uh, if you okay. get to go out, they get to go out. But there was one scene at the end, I got to admit, uh, I think we all laughed at, there's a singing scene. If you've not seen The Rise of Gru, yeah. there's a singing scene at the end. I think Jared and I lost it a little bit <laughs> at that moment. It was it was genuinely funny. It was good. Yeah. Um, I don't like all of the adverts. That was the running thing at the beginning. All the adverts, I was like, "Yep, nope, yep, nope." As to <laughs> right. what I like, yeah, yeah. and I realized that I was saying it quite loud, so the whole theater could hear. Was this, but yeah. you know, it was good. We had a good time. My wife does that when we go see movies, and they do previews. If it's usually, usually if it's a scary movie preview, when it's done, my wife. <laughs> Audibly goes, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Just letting everybody know, she, this person is not going to go see that movie. Is not interested in I, that movie. I know we have to move on, but yeah. this, this bit's funny. Okay. Um, my eldest, at the end of the movie, uh, turned around and went, my drink's finished. And I only had two sips. And there oh. is currently a, a big debate in our house as to whether my eldest drunk her whole drink without realizing, without realizing it. <laughs> Or maybe the person she was sitting next to stole her drink. Oh, and doesn't know that that they did that. Who was the person next to her? Uh, we'll rename main, me? nameless. No, 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 no. Other side. Oh, other other side. side. Okay. All right. I, I don't want to put my girls in this. <laughs> They're gonna listen to this. Uh, oh, okay. But so basically, we had a great movie time with a debate about toilets and a debate yeah. about who drunk my drink. Yeah. Um, so all told, just a normal family night. More entertaining than the movie, <laughs> yeah. almost. And uh, speaking of children, you like that transition? Very good. (laughs) I mean, this is just... Today's episode is Raising Kids Who Love Jesus. We're going to solve everyone's parenting issues. We're going to give the (laughs) definitive testimony on Christian parenting in the next uh, 23 minutes and 16 seconds. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready to go? It's all guesswork. Let's talk about family (laughs) worship. To start with, what does family worship look like in the Ross Ferguson household? You had to start with me. <laughs> I'm I mean, the one I'll with start the with me if you want. No, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Um, so for us, we because our kids are um, basically eight. And, this and is so, why I'm asking. You have kids at yeah, home. I don't know. Um, eight soon to turn 10 for my eldest. So we have three girls. Uh, we have tried loads of different things over the years. Yeah. Uh, probably our most successful um, is to um, have it after dinner time. We have some time. Uh, our family always eats together at the dinner table. And we have some time afterwards and missionary stories have been probably the most successful of actually just reading through biographies, reading through missionary stories that often brings conversation. Why did they do that? Why did they say that? And it's actually just an easy way of flowing conversation. But we've tried loads of things. We've done 
uh, prayer time, going through a book, going through devotionals. Uh, one of the favorite things we did when they were young is what's your best and hardest thing from today? And it, although oh, it doesn't sound devotional yeah. in terms of scripture, we could bring in That's right. the gospel and scripture into those things. So a fairly natural conversation. At the minute, uh, what we're trying to do is something different each night. Our girls are at that stage where they want to learn different things, hear different things. So something different. Um, we have tried singing. That does not go down well in our house. <laughs> okay. None of us are great singers. Yeah. Um. So what it tends to be is all of us look at the words and mumble our way through. And I'm thinking, I know the Lord hears a joyful noise, Yeah. but we don't. So <laughs> we, we don't do the singing okay. side. Um, but yeah, I would say we have, if you, if you can think of it, we've probably tried it. And I think that's the, one of the key things I would say with family worship. There is no one way yeah, that this works. Flexibility is key in this whole thing. Um, we'd loved a thing called devotional dippers that 10 of those produced, a, literally a little card that gives you a verse and a question and a prayer. We did that when the kids were younger. Okay. Um, we taught them some Hebrew words to say. We've done memory verses. Again, we've done so many things. And I would say we kind of just do a cycle. Once we've finished one, we'll try something different the next time. Uh, but the one thing we've probably done on a regular pattern is when it comes up towards Christmas, we will do 25 days um, running towards Christmas. We have a specific book that we run through with the kids and things like that. It just brings a familiarity yeah, to that's it awesome. um, for us as a family. Um, but my kids are younger. Your kids are older. Yeah. So was that different for you? No, it was, it was pretty similar. Um the one thing that I would say that that I learned as a takeaway is is to not turn it into a pressured moment. Yeah. Um, do not create a, an issue of anxiety or pressure out of it. It, it. it it needs to be a relaxed time. It can be structured, but but take the pressure off of it. Don't feel like it's got to go for a certain amount of time. Don't feel like it's got to look like a church service. You're right. So I don't think that we did singing that I, that I can recall maybe once or twice, but it was not a regular part of our family worship times. Um, typically it was, we re we had a devotion book, a family, you know, book of family devotions that we typically worked through, um, at, at any given time. And when the kids were old enough, we would let them read, they'd take turns and they would read. So that's the other thing that I would say is as much involvement from the kids so that yeah. they're not just passive expected to sit and consume whatever it is you're trying to, you know, help them learn or want them to know. But that they're involved in in some way to the extent that they're able to. So our kids would actually read the devotion, which usually had uh, discussion um, questions at the end. That engagement, I think, is really key yeah. as well. So not just that they're participating in the element of the of the family worship time, but that you're asking, um, you're creating a, um, the opportunity to apply it. Um, you, you you had the hard and and best things in the day, um, but just. Those are the opportunities for mom and dad to speak gospel into, to kind yeah. of pastor the moment. So those discuss, you know, discussion questions were really great. Whether they're on the Bible passage you just read or the Bible story you just read, or they're more applicational, what would you do in this situation, that sort of thing. Um, those are really key moments to kind of yeah. you know, speak the truth of you know, Scripture into your child's life. On a practical note, um, we have not found doing that at bedtime very good. Our kids yeah. kind of switch off um, gotcha. towards night. So at bedtime, we just do a prayer time with the kids. We always um, circle devotions around a meal. And just a kind of pro tip over yeah. the years, uh, do the devotions between your main course and the dessert. Oh, okay. uh, because there is an incentive to <laughs> stay sat still. Okay. Um, but they're also well fed. So yeah. then they're going to sit still. So just on a practical note, we found doing it between courses just brings that kind of we're doing it as part of the meal 
Uh, and then just one thing I would say on this is uh, picture what you want your relationship to be with your children at, at kind of teenage years. And I'll start that when they're two or three. If you want your kids to be openly talking with you and sharing things with you, yeah. don't come down on them hard in this devotion time. Let them speak. If it seems just crazy and way out there, let them speak. Um, sometimes we'll say things like they'll say something that's wrong or unbiblical. We'll say, well, that's probably not what's happening here. And you're softer and gentler with it. Because if you come with a hard Bible study mode, they're going to resent that time. So actually yeah. just have a comfortable family time that shifts the conversation to godly things. Um, but more than that, this is what my wife said. We, we talked about this. Um, it is not a one-time thing. So just because you say, oh, I do family devotions, uh, we've got a great way of kind of raising our children. It's a whole life thing. Don't, yeah. don't trade 15 minutes at the dinner table for a whole life approach. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of a good transition in, in sort of the next subject here is just in, in general, children's discipleship from a young age into teenagerdom and beyond. Any, any pro tips beyond the you know, family worship discussion for raising kids to love the Lord, right? Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What does bringing someone up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord look like? I think, you know, bottom line, there's just sort of the grand, uh, the backdrop for it has to be that mom and dad actually take the gospel seriously and and live like it's true. You, you don't have to be an academic. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to, you know, be overly religious and, and, and that sort of thing. But do you live like behind closed doors and in the family life that you actually believe this stuff? Or is it just time to pretend that you do when it's time for church? Kids yeah. pick up on that and they'll play along for as long as, you know, they're immature. But as they get older, the cracks between reality and performance begin to show. And, you know, that disciples a kid as well. If they are raised in a family, formed in a family, shaped by a family that um, only takes religious things seriously when it's time to be religious, when it's time to put the religious self on to go to church, they're not going to take it seriously. Um, well, you know, apart from the Lord's intervention, that's what is shaping. You know, I was raised in a Christian family. You know, my dad, he was not a pastor. He wasn't in vocational ministry or anything. Uh, we didn't do family worship growing up. We didn't even know about that concept as far as, as far as I know. It was just not a thing that existed. But I never questioned whether my parents believed, actually believed this stuff. So they were faithful, you know, church people. We went to church, you know, every Sunday and, and you know, beyond. We were there when the doors were open, that sort of thing. So I was raised in the context of the church. Um, my family's life revolved around, and you know, to some respects. I mean, I played sports and different things like that, but we revolved around the life of the church, and and that was shaping for me for sure. But you know, my dad didn't give me intensive discipleship instruction and all those sorts of things, and and you know, by some standards held out today, probably you know, he, if he compared himself to that, he might think, ah, I really fell short in a lot of ways. But I never, as a kid growing up, questioned whether they actually believed this stuff. And that was helpful to me. That was formative, you know, to me in ways that I probably could not have, you know, understood even as a kid, that I never had to wonder whether my parents actually believed this. They took it serious. And I think that's the kind of faith example. The other example is marriage. Yeah. So I think it's a really important thing that children see a godly marriage. They see a happy marriage. They see a joy-filled marriage. They mm. see their parents, you know, larking about 
and you know lurking and, about what does that mean oh man having fun like lovey-dovey chilling no oh just kind of chilling out relaxing. having fun okay, joking okay. larking about larking about i can't believe uh, you don't know that it was like, that's a bird right a lark yep. that's why i thought it was like a lovey-dovey we'll move thing, on. like uh, affectionate or something <laughs> flirting no yeah, um, I think that's helpful for the kids but, too, by the way. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, to be honest, in our household, if, if my wife and I share a kiss, our kids are still at the age where they shout. I know. Yeah. They think it's grody, think but it's inside, awful. it warms, they know. It warms Well, that's them. the thing is, and that's yeah. the thing you're saying is we love Jesus. Yeah. We love each other. Sure, we love you. We love the church. And it, it needs to be that seasoned all the way through life that they see that. The other aspect I have is who are you bringing into your home hmm. often affects your discipleship. And and I'm not saying you bring in, quote, perfect people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that everybody that comes into your home is an example to your children, whether that's bad or good. So for us, we're in a different season in life where I'm not serving in a full-time ministry capacity and, and I'm living on a campus, which means we actually often have young students in our home. And it's incredible that our kids get that interaction with 20, 25-year-olds who are ultimately going to make mistakes, but our kids are yeah. watching them and I think if you are a pastor with children, this is something you need to be really wary of as to when you do your pastoral visits at your own home and what your kids are seeing. They will pick up on everything. So just be aware that every every person that comes into your home is a discipleship moment, mm. whether that's someone struggling and you share with your kids, hey, this is just kind of something we're doing with them because of this reason, or whether that's somebody that's coming to love and care for your family and your children see that example you know, if you're inviting someone into your home that's a Christian who tends to swear and tends to cuss, that is going to be an example to your children. Um, yeah. So just be aware of that. Uh, but for me, discipleship is all about conversation. Our home is yeah. really big on conversation. We talk about everything. Nothing's hidden. We love to just openly talk and, hey, how's your day been going? And just those moments mean I really desperately pray that my children will grow up, that they want to talk to their dad. Because in those moments, I can bring the gospel to them. I can bring scripture to them. If they don't want to talk to me, it's kind of a closed door. And yeah. so that's why I think it's so important that your family household, we just just talk about everything. Doesn't doesn't need to sound super spiritual, but just loving your children by letting them talk is a, a great way of discipling them. Yeah. I mean, being curious about them and their inner lives and, and, the, and their particular yeah. interests as well. You know, because every kid is different and, you know, showing a sense of interest in their interests, mm. those sorts of things incline them t- towards you. But also they commend the Lord well because, you know, it, it you know, they connect that level of interest and love and affection um, to their experience of, of their heavenly father. Um, you know, I'm in a stage of life now where things have, have changed a little bit. It's, you know, you're always learning at, at every stage. And I'm in the season of life. We've, you know, sent our kids out. We're empty nesters now. And it are, you know, my regrets are more glaring. I look back and now I'm like, ah, I should have done this more. I should have done that more. I hope this doesn't affect them too much. You know, that, uh, you know, that, you know, that I was weak in this area and, and, and that sort of thing. It's, it's that, you know, both of my kids are, um, in college. My, my older daughter's about to get married actually. Um, maybe by the, by the time people hear this, she will be married, but it's around this time that she's getting married. So, you know, there's life stage, you know, milestones here for us. Um, but they're in that, you know, time of life where it's like, all right, well, we'll see. Like, is this, have you made the faith your own? Or was it just because you grew up in this particular household that, you know, that you had to do these things? And, you know, what it will look like, mm-hmm. what their faith will look like personalized is a, 
a burden in, in, in my prayer time for sure. I wake up in the in the middle of the night more now with one of my kids on my mind and think, oh, I need to pray for them, yeah. you know, for some reason, whatever they're, you know, going through. And and discipleship looks different when someone is not in your home. You know, obviously, in many ways, they're still dependent on us or our, and our and our dependence of us, but they don't live with us and they're legal adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, both of my kids are legal adults. And so discipleship looks different. I'm not their supervisor anymore. In yeah. some ways, I'm more of a coach of some kind where I can speak into particular issues, and but I'm letting them figure more out on their own. And man, it's one of the most faith-inducing yeah. kind of leaning more into the Lord sort of opportunities that I'm aware of. You know, certainly do that when your kids are little, uh, but when you send them out, you know, you're like, all right. That kind of scares me. I realize that my eldest is like six and a half years away from the age where I met my wife. Oh, um, good grief. So, so that kind of scares me a little wow, bit. Wow, yeah. I think one of the, just as you were saying something there, one of the things that caught my attention is, you know, we spend a lot of time with our children on education, on cultural things, on pursuing goals and dreams, even talents, maybe sporting talent or musical talent. Do you know... I think my biggest regret would be that if I got the kids to the age of 18, 19, 20, and hey, they're, they're highly talented, well-known, they're, they're progressing in life, they're going to one of the best colleges, whatever it may be, but actually I failed to lead them in Christ. Mm. None of that stuff really matters right. to me. And I think that's something I'm increasingly similar to you, kind of waking up, thinking about, you know, what's been my daughter's example today? Am I leading them to Jesus? Have I just shown them that actually the the goal is is more important than Jesus? Um, and and I think that that is something when when you come to discipling your children, sure, encourage them to be great education and great in sports or whatever it yeah. is. Never place that above the love of love of Christ. If if your kid is a solid B grade student and doesn't like sport, hey, that's okay because if they love Jesus, that's that is what's important. And I don't think I've always thought like that. I'm I'm thinking like that a lot more these days. Yeah. Let's talk about the church dynamic because actually this episode was uh, inspired by a more specific question or topic that you wanted to discuss, which was at what point do you bring your children or integrate your children away from children's ministry uh, events on Sunday mornings and into the church service? Now, of course, the family, you know, integrated folks will say you don't even have the children's ministry stuff from – Infancy, you bring them into the into service and raise them in life of the service. We want to say, God bless you. Thank you for that. We, I got no beef with you, yeah. right? I got I got beefs, but <laughs> I don't have a beef with you. Um, but for those who are part of churches that have nursery, children's church, some sort of children's ministry events that take place concurrently with a worship service, and parents are thinking through, okay, at what point do we say you've graduate now into the service. Yeah, this yeah. this actually came from a bit of a cultural element as well. Yeah, I was surprised by this. Go ahead, so yeah. in, in the UK, the general norm, okay, so I'm not saying this is all of it, but the general norm is that children will stay in for probably the first third of the service, usually the kind of yeah. singing worship, prayer worship and, and offer offering or something like that. And then they will go out to their Sunday school classes, probably a song before the sermon for the rest of the service. So the general norm is that children are not in the vast majority of the service. You come here to the US, I would say the general norm is that kids are in the service for the full service and they don't actually go out and they deal with Sunday school at a separate time. So really this is a a kind of cultural thing where 
I would say to the folks that are saying, hey, kids need to be in the service all the time. Well, just so you know, there's four countries, four and a half thousand miles away that don't do that as the yeah, norm. And that's yeah. a cultural thing. Similar to people in the UK, I would say, if you're terrified of having your child in the sermons, trust me, there's literally millions of kids that are in the service here. So this is a cultural difference here. And and for me, I, we, we want to have our children in the church service. However, there's certain key things, and I'll come on to that in just a second, as to what's important when children are in the service. Uh, the key thing for me, though, in, in this kind of vast conversation is I do not want children to be going 16, 17, 18 heading off to college or something they're doing. And I've never really had the full experience of church. Yeah. And that would be common in the UK. It that would at 16, be. they would do like- So even a, in teenagers, they would yeah, be Yeah, they, the they would do their student ministry up till yeah. 16, 17, 18, head off to college. And really their experience of church is third in the service and two thirds yeah. out. So I would be saying that you want to gradually, and timeline wise that, I, I'm not going to put a timeline on that, but you need to gradually take your children into the full service so that their faith is not just based on a Sunday school, but it's solely into the body of the whole believers. But if you're going to do that and the church wants that, you need to prepare services that are family friendly. I'm not saying toss out the sermon. I'm saying be aware of families. And I actually asked my girls this. So this is coming direct from their mouths. Okay. So I'm sorry, Liberty Baptist, because yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, the yeah. church you go to. I said to the girls, hey, you're in the service now. You know, culturally, we're doing something different. Tell me some of the things that would make things feel a bit more like you're part of the church. And so one of the things they said is, please keep using big words we don't understand in the sermon, but explain them. Oh, okay. So just, it takes 10 seconds. Yeah. You know, this is what I mean. If justification, give a quick explanation. You assume all adults know, but you can't assume that children do. Yeah. Um, so, so bring in some of those explanations. At where children can serve, let them serve. So maybe you have a, a young child who's really keen on technology. Don't give them the responsibility of the whole AV because I can tell you <laughs> that will be a disaster. But sh- let them shadow somebody. If you have someone that's really bubbly and fun and excitable, let them shadow someone on the front door. Even if it's just for five minutes, doesn't need to be the whole thing. Yeah. Just let the kids start kind of almost experiencing what it means to serve in the church. And then the last thing I would say, um, I've actually said this in sermons, that as adults, we should be mature enough that children cannot sit quietly, perfectly still for 40 minutes in a sermon. So be mature enough not to be distracted. It's not the kids... And they need taught self-control. They're four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> it's adults that need self-control, yeah. not to get angry or frustrated. Um, and I definitely want to say to all parents out there with children and services, if your church family is judging you for your noise that your kids are making, be aware kids are kids. Don't don't make them adults. Yeah. They are going to make noise, mm. you know. And it, And if you sit anywhere near me in church, I'm convicted by this because... Uh, my kids like to to write things down. Um, sometimes they'll draw a picture of something. Sometimes it's not in any relation to the sermon. Uh, <laughs> right. I do remember a hot dog man was drawn one day. Okay. Uh, and the noise of coloring mm. annoys me uh, during the sermon. Uh, and I have to really work hard at going, they're just kids. Yeah. It's okay. So they, I, I kind of dumped a lot of thoughts yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But essentially one of the things I'm kind of saying is because there is a cultural difference I can honestly say there is no hard and fast rule here. And you can't just say, this is what we must do because you basically alienate an entire country four and a half thousand miles away. Um, But I think get them in the service, slow the process down a little bit, but make sure they're in the service at some point before they head out 
um, to yeah. the world. So the silo effect of we're going to silo our kids out for their own unique experience parallel to the service, remove them from the service, that's somewhat common here, including into student ministry, into into teenager years as well. I don't know if it would be normative or not. I don't think it's normative, but it's not uncommon, particularly in, in larger churches where the students have their own worship service and that sort of thing. It's the children's church for teenagers, you know, which we both, I think, recognize the problem with. It just delays yep. maturity. And kids graduate from church without ever having been one to the local church experience. Yep. So they go away to college or, be, or enter young adulthood and they go to a church service and it doesn't feel like youth group or they're looking for a church that feels like youth group. And there are churches that will try to just can, you know keep the youth group sort of experience going. So we recognize the problem with that. One thing I appreciate about our church in particular is, you know, we do have children's ministry that I think is up to fifth grade, but there are churches that will almost pressure you to put your kids, you know, into these things, um, make you feel bad for bringing your kids in the service. And Liberty is not like that. Uh, It's there as an option. So if you want your kids in Liberty Kids, you're welcome to, you know, send your kids to Liberty Kids. Uh, If you want your kids in the service, they're going to be very welcome in our church service. It's going to be a hospitable environment for them. No one's going to look askance at you for bringing your kids into the service. So it's good to have that option. But that piece of being able to integrate kids into, uh, in particular as as they get older, into different responsibilities. So like my daughter in her teenage years served on the AV team. My older daughter did. You know, she was running sound, you know, back there every fourth week or every third week or something like that. And and that was really special that I had a you know teenager who was you know part of the volunteer team. I love that at our church we do have so our version of Sunday school is called equipping groups. We have equipping groups that run during uh, both the services. There is a student equipping group. So up you know for teenagers there is a dedicated Sunday school. But once you're um, into youth group age, you can go to any Sunday school class you want. You can go to any equipping group you want. So you don't have to go to the youth class. So we've kind of demolished the age demographic kind of silo for equipping groups. So there are a couple of teenagers that are in the equipping group that my wife and I go to. There's, you know, know, that's open. And our daughters, when they were at home, were going to quote unquote adult equipping groups as well. I really appreciated that, that they were actually in a Sunday school class with old people. And, you know, um, I found that was very helpful as well. They need spiritual grandparents. They need spiritual examples. And, you know, our job is to mature all believers in Christ in a church. So don't keep children at an immature level. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, treat them as maturing Christians because yeah. that's what we should do with everybody in church. That's right. Well, there you go. So 31 minutes, we just gave the definitive <laughs> raising your kids to love Jesus sort of answer, I guess. I, I would still feel it's all guesswork. <laughs> it's just each week that goes by. Well, and you know, there were times when people would ask, I, first of all, I find it hilarious when people with small children write parenting books <laughs> and like, maybe you know how to write a parenting book about that age, maybe, you know, like how to, you know, manage a toddler or something. But when they write parenting books, I'm just thinking, that's so cute. And when people would ask us, you know, why don't you guys write a parenting book? And I was like, they're not done cooking. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? They're not out of the oven yet. I don't know how things are going to, you know, turn out. You may not want to hear from me on this on this subject. You know, I don't want to, you know, be the parenting guy. So, Well, on a recent review, you were deemed as not the expert, but that's just right. somebody who can have a good chat about it. So that's true. You've honored that review. I guess so. <laughs> if you enjoy the podcast, your listener, please give us a good review, please on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And until next time, 
May Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.